Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Five Star Movie Podcast, a movie podcast from two guys who are the last guy in the world you want to fuck with and who also watch movies. I am Ryan Hurley, and I'm here, as always, with my esteemed co-host. Sam Wolf Cools here, ready to discuss some Michael Mann. How you doing today, Wolf? I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm ready to go, ready to, ready to pump up this pod. Hell yeah. It's going to be a fun week. Uh, we're both big fans of Michael Mann here. Um, I think we both were big fans of this movie, too, so it should be a fun discussion. Uh, but first, what have you been watching lately? Um, to stick with my, my normal of talking about what I've watched from this year, I watched On the Rocks, the new Sofia Coppola movie with Bill Murray and Rashida Jones, which was pretty good. I liked it. I thought it was a fun movie, kind of like a nice chill hangout, like New York movie. And yeah, I don't really have any like huge thoughts on it, but I, I definitely enjoyed my time with it. Did it feel good to just like have a new Sofia Coppola movie to watch? Like, <laughs> yeah, I thought it was cool. Like, I thought um, I like I like her movies. It wasn't as like. Like it's not, it wasn't like Virgin Suicide or like Bling Ring or something where I feel like there's like a, a ton to unpack. Mm-hmm. I, mean, just, I just kind of felt like it was what it was on the screen and you kind of just got to hang out with it. From the, from like the previews and stuff like that, it looked very almost like low key in a way. Like they're just trying, kind of trying to like have a good time or something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's really, that's really what it felt like. Um, were you watching anything else this week? Um, not a whole lot, but I watched Open Water on Friday, which was a nice, <laughs> like, it was meant to be shot where it looked like the two people, like, were, like, actually being, like, followed on camera, and these two people get, like, stranded in the middle of the ocean on a scuba trip, and basically the movie is as though in a shark-infested water trying to survive, and I guess is it's, it- like, based on a true story, so that was kind of cool. Is it? I so I've never seen this before. Is it? Um, is it found footage? I don't know why I always thought it was found footage. It looks like it's found footage, but like it's but like it's not. <laughs> Just that like sort of early video type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like like part parts of it look like it might be, but other parts are like this. Just looks like like a shitty like video you might watch in like a, a class in school. Where does it uh, rank in in? in uh your shark movies list <laughs> i think i liked it more than like the mag but i think i'd still rather watch uh like 47 meters down <laughs> better than the shallows yes i like the shallows though well no i don't but it looked cool it looks <laughs> really nice the shallows is like the most dissonant experience watching it where it kind of looks good but then you're also like the script is not very good either. <laughs> and you're just kind of like, eh. uh, poor, uh, poor, poor Blake Lively had little to nothing to do in that movie. I, uh, I feel like she did her best. She tried. She tried at least. She had fun. Maybe she might've had fun. You never know. It, <laughs> the, the thing about the shallows that always got me was like, uh, all of the random things she like pulls out in order to like, help her survive like if she just decided to wear a different pair of earrings she would have been screwed because she's constantly using using those for stuff i love the bird in that movie there was like a yeah. cool looking bird he's he's basically the second main character oh yeah he was the best <laughs> yeah he, he has more personality than even the shark what have uh what have you been watching lately so i uh I was going through and um, uh, decided to watch the new uh, Amazon Prime release Borat subsequent movie film. I went back and watched the original Borat too, hmm. Bor- the original Borat as well, and then I watched this one. And um, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was like a good follow up to the first one. It's definitely more oriented towards like what's happening right now as opposed as opposed to the first Borat is like kind of just about like racism and xenophobia but um yeah I thought it was fun I thought it was a good sequel I've uh I've never seen the like the I've never saw the first Borat 
So I, uh, I've not looked at the second one yet, but like everybody's like telling me like everybody, not even like movie people like, Oh, the movie's really good. And I'm like, Whoa, I've not been told to watch the movie in months. <laughs> it's like, it, it was definitely, um, I, I think it's a lot like, uh, I think it's, it's a lot like Palm Springs in a way for me where like, is it one of the best movies I've seen this year? No, but like it made me laugh for an hour and a half. So I was just kind of happy about that, you know, like it ended. I was like, ah, I had fun for a little while. Right. <laughs> that feels good. You, you can't ever have too much of that in 2020. Exactly. It's just me and my, my four walls and my work computer. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, I think both, I think both Borat movies are on, um, are on prime, prime at yeah. this point. Yeah. So, you know, you can go through, you can bang them both out in like in less than three hours, both movies and in, in less than three hours. And, and you know, it's, it'll be a fun time. That's not bad. It was, it was, it was good. I was happy about it. And then I, of course I've also been continuing my uh, endeavors into the horror genre. I watched um, Dawn of the Dead. I wanted to highlight. Um, I had also watched Night of the Living Dead and Day of the Dead which were both George Romero, but I think Dawn was my favorite one. I really liked the setting of them being in like a shopping mall. It was both like good social commentary and it was also like watching them live like a dream of mine, which is to just be alone in a shopping mall. I love that. <laughs> like, could you imagine just the, it's like a zombie apocalypse, but then you find this mall and you're like, okay, I can shut all the zombies out and then now I just have everything I want for a while. <laughs> you know, that seems to be like a like a stick in the horror genre because eight years later they made a movie called Chopping Mall, where oh my these God. stupid kids get stuck in a mall overnight, and the mall is protected <laughs> by like little robots that go rogue and try to kill them. Oh my God, the West World for shopping malls, if you will. <laughs> shopping mall's funny. Um, I've never seen Dawn of the Dead. That's a that's a real miss on my part. Definitely, I recommend it. I think if you haven't seen Night of the Living Dead, that one is in that one is just like uh, in the public domain, so you can literally go on YouTube and watch that movie. But yep. then, uh, yep, Night of the Living oh, Dead lived on Shutter forever. I just have yet to <laughs> just throw it on. It's like it's in every horror movie list too, because they're just like, ah, it's it's just free for us. Like we'll just throw it in there. Here we go, have fun. I love that. <laughs> that one's a good one. I think Dawn is my favorite because it's a little more fun. Like Night of the Living Dead, they do a great job of like you know like low budget but keeping things interesting. And Dawn, you can kind of tell they have a little more but budget. They can do like have a little more wiggle room, get a little more creative. I liked it. Yeah, I bet I bet that budget only went up every time because they were like, "Oh, like people like these movies." Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, we actually have, we actually know we'll have at least somewhat of an audience with this. So, <laughs> uh, you got a quick question for us this week, Wolf? Yeah, I got one. So this past weekend, there were like a lot of movies that came out. Do you kind of feel like it? It felt like maybe a little normal, like old times where it's like, "Oh, like look at all these movies to watch, like all these different things to talk about." Certainly normal-ish. I feel like this is going to be what like normal is like. Um, certainly in the next like few months, where at the very least we'll be getting stuff from streamers. But yeah, it just felt good to have something new to watch for once. Yeah, it was cool. It was uh, it was kind of like I had like my choice of different movies where I was like, oh, I could watch like The Witches on HBO Max, or <laughs> I could catch up on Borat or I, I, well, I was never going to watch Rebecca on Netflix, but that was also an option. <laughs> Rebecca is, it seems, well, maybe apart from the witches, Rebecca seems like the one that's just getting ripped the most. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's almost because Netflix just like throws their movies at people. Yeah, that's true. In that sense, it felt really normal, which was like, we have two movies that people, people like in Borat, and on the rocks, and then we have two movies where like 
the the studios seem to be wanting to dump them off when other popular things are coming out so that people forget that those came out. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> like Netflix is like, if we just don't advertise this at all and we just upload it when everybody's watching Borat, did it even exist? I wonder how much they spent on Rebecca. I mean, that movie, like, I didn't watch it, but just looking at, like, stills of it, I was like, this looks expensive. It it made me... The the only good thing about this new Rebecca movie coming out was that it, it made me want to um, watch the, the original one mm-hmm. with the, like, original Hitchcock one, but even that I, I didn't get around to yet. I don't know if that's... I wonder if that's on Peacock. That would be, I really hope so. God, Peacock, Peacock really came in clutch for us on on some of these uh, uh, Oscars Oscars watches, where it's really? just like, oh, broke broke back mountains for free mm-hmm. on Peacock. All right, here we go. That's true. That was nice. That was uh, and that was before. Oh no, that was when it was free. I have the up. I I pay for it now because uh, uh, um, they have soccer games on there. Did wait? So did Peacock go completely paid, or did you just like get beyond the paywall? Um, I don't know. I pay. I pay for it where I get live sports now, but I still get commercials. Ah, uh, okay. Because I think that was. I think that's the cool thing about Peacock is that they're just like, you know what? Some of it's for free, other stuff is not, and you can basically decide what you want to pay for or if you want to pay at all. Yeah, I like that. I think that's uh, that's nice. More and more streaming services could do that. Maybe Netflix will start like getting NFL games. That would be cool. That would be so bad. I hope they don't do that. That's what, that's what Quibi should have done. Quibi. Quibi needed to make themselves free. Quibi. Quibi, Quibi died last week, and uh, I think that's probably the last anybody will be talking about Quibi. Are you upset? Are you going to miss it? I um, you know, there's a there's a gravestone in my backyard for Quibi. Mm. Um, been actively mourning it. Uh, I didn't watch any of the uh, any of the shows. Didn't watch Judge Chrissy Teigen. I didn't watch uh, Most Wanted. I didn't <laughs> I didn't watch The Fugitive. It sounds like you're the but reason you know, why Quibi died. Yeah, it's all on me. Uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg sent me a letter that just said it's your fault. Quibi's on your hands. I don't know why they thought Quibi would work. Releasing it in a in a in a pandemic uh, is is going to like live in infamy of just a horrible decision. They did their best, you know. I don't know who like, I don't know who wanted Quibi. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it's like, hey, what if we what if we gave you content that's specific to your phone? And it's like, yeah, but. I can just like go to Netflix on my phone right now and fire up the departed. So I'll just do that. It's like, I don't want to like, like when I'm on my phone, I don't want to be watching something. I'd rather just like have some other TV and I'm playing like games on my phone or something. Like, I don't, I, don't, I, I mean, that's just like not how I consume like entertainment. And I can't imagine many people do. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, I was thinking about that too, where it's like, why are they making a whole streaming service like marketed at at like your cell phone when I will do whatever it takes to not watch something on my cell phone because it just like nukes the battery. It really does. <laughs> They're like, oh, it's for the viewer on the go. And it's like, yeah, the viewer who's going from one place to another and watches 15 minutes of The Office and takes their phone battery from like 80% to 40% like that. <laughs> I don't know how people do that. Every time uh, in Chicago for a while, every every once in a while, I'd see people on the train doing that, and I'm like, "How do you focus?" That's just not possible. That's <laughs> just not not <laughs> a thing. It's too many distractions for me. Agreed. Fuck Quibi. Rip, rest in peace, though. R.I.P. Quibi. Uh, R.I.P. to all the shows on Quibi. But long live Michael Mann. We watched. Uh, Michael Mann's first feature film uh, this this week, Thief from 1981. I think maybe a good place to start, just because we're both 
uh, fans of his work. Uh, what do you what do you think of when you think of Michael Mann? I think I'm going to watch a movie that's incredibly exciting. I'm going to watch some men go really go to work. Um, I'm going to get some six shots of tall buildings. Um, and I know I'm going to get like one or two super intense, like one-on-one, just like talking scenes. And that's going to be a Michael Mann movie. <laughs> he's, he's always going to be shooting things in the slickest way possible. Um, he's always, all of his, all of his lead characters too are just like, the biggest hard ass you've ever met. Like, you know, whether, whether it's uh, De Niro and Pacino and heat or, uh, or Cruz in collateral or Khan in this, like James Khan is, I don't think he's phased by anything in this movie. <laughs> he, uh, he was only phased by not getting to adopt a kid the right way. Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, at, like many Michael Mann characters, he responds by screaming. <laughs> he just—he's a man. Hear him roar. You gotta, you gotta, you just gotta listen to the men. <laughs> so you brought up an interesting thing, like off, off pod that I, I want to talk about, which uh, was a good point that I didn't really think of. Um, which is that Michael Mann just seems very fascinated by like people that are really good at their job. Um. Do you want to like sort of elaborate on that idea a little bit? Yeah, like I've heard that point made by like other people who have listened, like watched a lot of Michael Mann movies, and I like never really understood it. Probably like I understood what they meant, but I was like, I don't know, like maybe that's just like a heat thing or like a collateral thing. And then I finally watched, you know, Thief, and then it kind of hit me that like Ali is like just like this, even though it's kind of a biopic, where like he just likes his main characters to be the best possible like and like thing like he wants James Conn to be the best great uh, best uh safe cracker Jamie Foxx is the best taxi driver Muhammad or Will Smith's the best boxer like he just I, I don't think he wants to deal with the character who has, who has like actual like the character will have like just un unimaginable amount of emotional flaws but when it comes to like actually like physically doing something like he's just like this guy's an expert yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good point where like all of his all of his main characters in the movies I've seen they're just like doesn't matter what what's going on with me in my life. It's right now it's just me and my job and the thing standing in way of me getting that done. I'm going to do whatever it takes to to get there. And that's like honestly really fascinating to watch especially in this movie. He just I don't he just doesn't want to deal with people who can't do their shit. He just wants people to be good at their jobs. <laughs> And in fact, that's that's normally who the villain is in all of his movies too. Is they're the guys that are bad at their jobs. But, <laughs> you know, like it, it's a uh, it's Pacino fighting against all the other guys that uh that uh all the other cops that don't know what they're doing. It's it's a uh, De Niro against Wayne Grow. <laughs> yeah. James Conn in this movie against the uh against the like. I guess like mob boss for for lack of a better word that he like goes to work for that just won't stop like messing with him. Yeah, that dude was like kind of scary looking. That guy was he um he had like a real menacing presence. Um, uh, he of course was played by Robert Prowski. Mm. Prowski, I believe. Who? Um, never heard of him. Never heard of him before. I thought he was really great in this movie though. I like feel like this movie doesn't like exist anymore. Because if you Google like thief or like thief film, normally they'll like they might throw this up on the screen, but they normally will like throw you a bunch of other like thief type movies. Like if you Google thief film, you get like on the right, you get like oh like here's thief, but then like a bunch of trailers for like honest thief and like these other random movies that I've never heard of. So I'm like this movie's like really good and it seems like the people who saw it when it came out like really like it and now it just doesn't exist anymore. Why do you think it's not like why do you think it's not like stood the test of time? Because it just probably hasn't streamed. <laughs> There's nothing <laughs> wrong enough. with this movie. I really I like maybe it's a little slow. But 
like there's a lot of action here. There's a lot. I mean, th- how I saw this in a review on Letterboxd. This is not my own original thought, but I kind of agree with it. How different is this movie from Drive? Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, it's a. Uh... It really is like the playbook for Drive in a lot of ways. Um, you just kind of have like a little bit different of a love story, but yeah, yeah, that's a that's in. Yeah, Nicholas Winding Refn is definitely like cribbing a ton of it from this. Or it's even weird to think that like, um, you know, Heat is still really popular, at least, at least like popular enough for like a movie back in the '90s. But uh, like somehow this hasn't. Hasn't stood the test of time, even though it's it's similar to Heat in a lot of ways too. I feel like it's very strange. I feel like Heat is able to like kind of stick around because like movies just like keep stealing from Heat because of like how do we do a heist? Oh, let's watch Heat. You could probably figure it out from there. But like with Thief, I don't know how like how many different like, I don't know if you could really I mean you could do this story like a million times but like you just like keep changing one thing and I can't imagine Thief was the first movie to ever have a guy who wanted to do one last job yeah that's a good point I think it also like you said maybe it's a uh, heat is more popular because like it's Christopher Nolan copying off of heat as opposed to Nicholas Winding Refn co- copying this you know like it just more people see see Chris Chris Nolan's films. It just the uh, heat feels maybe a little more accessible. You don't think everyone's seen all of Nicholas Winding Refn's film? A guy who just spells his name so weird it bothers me. You know what i I haven't seen the uh, I haven't seen the viewership numbers for Too Old to Die, but uh, you know maybe I'm wrong. He looks. Did weird. I get the- Where's he from? Oh, he's Danish. Oh. Nicholas, oh, people like that show. I know what you're talking about. I, I won't, I won't watch it. But people seem to like it. People told me, uh, it's a slight tangent here. Somebody, somebody told me that there, or I heard like a review where they said that like it's good, but there's also like stuff you have to really bear with the show with. Where like, like for instance, uh, apparently there's one scene that plays out in like a seven minute just like static shot and it's just the one camera angle. And I'm like, yeah, Nicholas, I'll just, uh, I'll just watch the next movie. That kind of sounds like Nicholas Winnie Graffin. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. He's always, he's always trying to test you. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely does that. I wonder, I wonder what's next for my guy. Hopefully something good. Hopefully something good. Um, so what did you think about James Conn? In this, in this film. I thought it was a good role for him. I think he kind of got to channel some of his godfather um, yeah. charisma and like presence. He has a great he has a great screen presence. It's actually like really impressive his screen presence. Yeah, it really is. Like he's um he's so good whenever he's going with like any of the other like gangsters in this in this movie because he just seems to immediately like command respect from all of them. You know, I think that's that's really a screen presence at full play there. I really enjoyed like I think he was really good in that like famous diner scene where he's like kind of explaining to Tuesday well the like how he wants out and how he wants like this family and like when he was in jail, like this is what he wanted. And I think that was like I think it's like a movie like this could have had just like kinda of, like a heavy in that role, mm-hmm. but I think it worked well having like a like an actual actor. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, like those scenes you see like a like another side to him other than like sort of the hard ass thing he's doing. Or like uh he's really good in like the scenes with Willie Nelson, I thought too. Like where he's talking to him through the glass. Yeah, just like good emotional depth to the character. I feel like there was probably more that could have been done with the Willie Nelson part, but that's okay. Yeah, Willie's only in like two scenes. It's it, it kinda sucks a little bit. It was definitely like Michael Mann's first like film. There was just like a lot of like little things here and there where I felt like in like if he had made this movie like after a couple other movies, it probably would have been. I don't know if it would have been like a little shorter, but it probably would have like maybe like melded together better, and they would have had like better like all the storylines would have been better understood. Maybe more Jim Belushi. 
Yeah, like there's just <laughs> more Jim. You need more Jim. More of the world according to Jim. Uh, I loved when he died. <laughs> that was a crazy scene. That was. <laughs> yeah, I think you're touching on something though, where it's like you can tell, you can tell it's his first movie, but also like you can you can tell why he became such a prominent filmmaker because it looks very polished for like a first feature film. Like the the uh, the way it looks, I thought was really beautiful, and I wasn't expecting that in in what was his first movie. No, like it definitely set the tone for like the look of his other films. Yeah, that sort of like lights in the darkness. I liked um, you know, like I guess what I think of with this movie when I think of like the look is there's that shot of like the car driving at night, and then reflected off the hood is all of like the neon lights stuff like that, like. I didn't expect to see something like that in this movie, but I thought it, I thought it looked, looked really good. I fucking love neon in a movie. I'm always in. The moment I see neon, I'm like, all right, I'm in. I'm in. That's all you needed. Exactly. Yeah, throw throw neon lights in the background of everything, and I'm I'm happy. Um, I don't know if it's ever been bad. I don't know if neon in a film has ever looked bad. I don't think it. I don't think it has. It's not possible. I agree. Like, it's sort of. I, I had I had a film teacher who said like. Uh, you should just use mirrors and everything because you don't even have to have a reason why it just ends up looking cool. It's kind of the same reason with neon lights. Just throw some neon back there. That just makes you think of like John Wick too. It did look cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I have no idea why why they have to have a knife fight in like a big mirror room, but you know what? I'm okay with it. That's a great movie. <laughs> Did you like um did you like Tuesday Weld in this film? She was fine. She she, she probably <laughs> did what the script called for. She probably sat there and, you know, got yelled at by um James Conn and basically just was wherever she needed to be for his sake. And that's about it. Her character was incredibly passive in this. It, it was a little bit frustrating at times. All of his women are pretty pretty passive <laughs> it's true it's true <laughs> i think like i think with it kind of culminates for me with like in collateral where um jada pinkett smith is like she has this like big time job and she's like wow like she's like a really powerful important woman but like when it comes down to it she's still like entirely in like only going to get saved if jamie fox can save her and it's like yeah you tried, michael man you, you almost got it yeah it's it's I love that too because you just think about like if you just think about their their occupations. I don't I don't think I know of any like DAs that are dating cab drivers. You know, I, I just don't think that that's happening. Maybe Uber drivers. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe a few you, you know, except for if uh, <laughs> uh never mind. I won't make that joke. But yeah, like uh maybe Uber drivers now, but I don't I don't know. Cabbies uh I feel like they, they might not have that kind of luck. Um, no, but in this movie, I mean, I liked Tuesday well. I don't want to give her too hard of a time because I can't imagine she was asked to do too much. Yeah, her character is just like a little bit too thin. It's not really her fault, though. Like, you just kind of sit there and you watch the movie and like, there's that scene in the diner that we've, we've talked about a little bit, which like, James Conn is giving like a good performance in the scene, but also like his character is kind of like, Hey, listen, lady, I caught you staring at me and we're on this date. And uh, by the way, here's a picture in my wallet of what my life should look like. So you should just marry me now. Yeah, well. And she she says yes. (laughs) They always say yes in those movies. No matter how little the woman, uh, no no matter how little the man is providing to the woman to like really go off of, they're always like, all right. (laughs) She's like, what what two things do I know about you? You're a thief. And and your your money laundering scheme is through like a bunch of used car shops. And you know what I'm buying. And you forcefully <laughs> yell at me in front of my friends. I'm in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You embarrass me in public on a on a constant basis. <laughs> what more do you really need? That's um. That's all you can ask for in a man, especially in the '80s. Reading a book about metals. Yeah, it's a book on metals. Speaking of heat, so how does this compare to you? Does this uh, does this at least match up favorably? 
Yeah. I think, uh, I think, I mean, I obviously enjoy both and I think they, uh, you kind of like, I think they both look kind of gritty and mm-hmm. they both end with like, like a big final showdown. And I think there's just like a lot of like similarities between the two films. And ultimately I think he was just like, he had more to like, he like Michael Mann had like more, probably more, like probably way more money, probably a better script and just like better actors to work with. And he was like able to like really put it together. But even with something like, see if you could really like see the craft. Yeah. Agreed. Like, um, I haven't, I haven't done like the YouTube deep dive and watched LA takedown or whatever, but, uh, I feel like in a lot of ways, this is like a, a good precursor to it. Yeah. I think in, in, in a lot of ways it is. I wonder what was next. That was good luck. After, after uh thief. Do a lot of this random Google searching of different movies during this. This is, this is one of our favorite things to do. I think so, it's thief. And then, Oh my god! Was it Manhunter? I think it, it looks like there was a movie called The Keep, which I've never it's a heard TV of. Ah, uh, and then uh, and then Manhunter, yeah. Oh my gosh! It's kind of a good cast. Man, Manhunter is uh, that's uh, of course a uh, Hannibal Lecter. I believe that's like the first adaptation of. Um, uh, Silence of the Lambs, or no, Red? Okay, Red Dragon, but it's still Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, and it's Brian Cox. Oh yeah, our guy, our guy from Succession. I've been wanting to watch Manhunter for a long time. Like these movies never freaking stream. Yeah, I know. Yeah, big, big like takeaway from this is like just, just get your movies on streaming, Michael Man. He's old. Please. Did you know he was old? He's like seventy-seven. Like I don't know how many more movies do you think you got when you're seventy-seven. I don't, I don't know, especially when, uh, like, the movies you're putting out is, like, uh, Black Hat. Wow. I, I, uh, I missed that one. <laughs> he's got a TV. He's filming a TV series right now. Maybe, that's, uh, maybe that'll be his big comeback. I don't know, because if I'm not mistaken, that was the TV series in, like, Japan, right? Yeah, Tokyo Vice. Uh, Ansel Elgro was supposed to be in that. So I think a lot of things got thrown, a wrench was thrown at that filming. God damn it. I just want some more Michael Mann, you know. Make a movie. Make a freaking movie. I'll be there opening night. I want some more guys blowing up stuff, being mad that other guys are getting in their way, saying cool lines into telephones and hanging up. Just remake Heat. (laughs) Heat two, the reheat. Thief, thief two, but with Scott Con as Dano from <laughs> Hawaii Five O. <laughs> Who says no? Who says no? I mean, is that really any worse than other things Netflix makes? No, definitely not. And you know what, Scott Con, Scott Con can play the um, play the adopted child from this movie. <laughs> it was like raising Arizona, but like. The worse. I, the whole sequence where they're trying to adopt the child really made me laugh. Like he just goes into the adoption agency, screams at the like social worker for a while. They kick him out, and he comes back, and the guy's like, "You want a baby? I could get you a fucking baby." It's like, what are you expecting? You were in jail. Like, I don't understand yeah. why you think you're just gonna like get a kid. You went in jail. You were in jail for eleven years too. Like it's not like you went in for like bad parking tickets or he something was in there for like a that. Long time. I didn't like. I didn't really understand what he was in there for. I assumed it was for like trying to break into a safe, but it almost seemed like he was in there for like a smaller reason. At one point, I thought he was talking yeah. about. Yeah, like in his in his speech, it sounds like he went in there for one thing or another, and then just got into like squabbles or something. But like. Either way, it's like you you were in there for eleven years, man. I, I think uh, I think that's always going to pop up on your record when you're going to buy stuff. Sorry, James. Sorry, dude. <laughs> I thought too, like his. I thought the Tuesday Weld character was wasn't she? Wasn't like the insinuation that she was also dating a guy that was like a drug dealer or something? Like it, she definitely like didn't seem available. Yeah, like 
just imagine imagine doing a background check as the social worker at the adoption agency. Imagine doing like a background check on those two people. And that's what you get back, and you're like, of course you can't have a baby. <laughs> like we're we're like the foster system's not great, but like we're they'll probably better off here. I'm gonna give this baby to a convicted felon and his drug mule wife? I don't think so. <laughs> like that's an easy no. Why not? Come on. But I'm really nice. Then go get one of the kids at uh was it Meet the Robinsons where someone gets adopted? Uh, was it? Oh, man. You're really testing my childhood memory What's the now. movie with the kid with the baseball who, like, looks sad? <laughs> the kid- it's a meme now. Oh, wait. Uh, oh. Oh, man. Ah. <laughs> no. uh, I like Meet the Robinsons, though. Maybe it is that movie. I think Meet the Robinsons is a, is a better movie than the one you're talking about. Everyone's Hero. Mm, is that the one you're talking no. about? No. Damn, that type one's in a meme Depressed too. baseball kid. There you go. Oh, there he is. Um, bowler hat guy. From Meet the Robinsons. Look at me. Oh, there you go. Movie guy. Nailed it. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> Certified movie guy. Um, I don't know how we got there, but welcome to my brain. Um, hey, yo. It's, um, it's just an interconnected web of random references in, inside here. It really is. None of them are ever good. <laughs> it's just like uh, some, something random could happen, and I'd just bring up like an episode of Seinfeld or yeah, some like random bullshit that I've seen way back when. And, I was told I have you to know work that's- like late nights. Like maybe this week, and I was like, "Oh, we're we'll working the night shift." Ooh, an '80s comedy with Michael Keaton and Henry Winkler, <laughs> Ron Howard's feature film debut. I'm gonna watch Night Shift while I'm working the night shift. Oh yeah, yeah I like that movie very much. <laughs> hey, but uh, Ron Howard's gonna make his comeback this year for you with Hillbilly Elegy. <sighs> like knowing that it's Ron Howard. Like if you had told me that like a year and a half ago. I'd have been like, oh, I've heard of him. I'm I'm all the way in. And now I'm like, I don't know if I want to watch the Ron Howard movie. <laughs> Just that, that one movie really got you? Well, wait, I don't know. What that, do you mean? Like, just Night Shift really, really, like, oh, you really sour. Oh, I mean, I gotta really want to watch it. Be- like, is it just gonna be a beautiful mind again? Like, ah, uh, yeah, that's fair. Like, Honestly, that's what fair. else has he done? What that I've that I've seen recently? Oh, I do like Frost and Nixon, but I don't think he'll ever make a movie like that ever again. Frost Nixon was good. I like Apollo thirteen as well. Mm, I never seen that. That's a good one. I just made a lot of movies. What a guy! Ron Howard just fucking works, man. He's just always is, he's doing something. Oh my goodness! Oh, I like Solo. You know what? I'm down. Why not? So another thing I want to touch on with this with Thief real quick is uh, the score. I thought the score by Tangerine Dream was really awesome, yeah. especially in the last half. Uh, I like immediately went to Spotify and was looking for the soundtrack to listen to. Yeah, it was so good, and like in the like with all like like neon colors we talked about too. I think it all like tied together really well. That score was good. Oh man, that was a. Uh... I like watched it on my on like my laptop with my headphones in, and I was just like, "My girlfriend can't hear this. This is so good." <laughs> yeah, you're like sitting there, like bobbing your head, like, "Oh fuck mm-hmm. yeah, here we go." I do that a lot, especially <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? If if you're feeling the music, you may I as well. I was watching Above the Rim Sunday night, and there's just like a bunch of like hip hop in that music. Oh hell yeah! Above the Rim, uh, I haven't seen, but. Uh, it's um, it's got it's, Tupac uh, called called out. Yeah, it's got Tupac. It's it's referenced in a in a tribe called Quest song. I like. Mm. Uh, feel like the music's got to be good. Enough. I feel like an, a, a score is a is a big sell for me. Like if you got a good if like even if like like even with Thief, where like admittedly I think the first hour is a little a little long. Like a good score, mm-hmm. good visuals, like 
a, two or three like good key scenes can kind of like get you through like pretty unfazed. Yeah, yeah, especially in older movies too, where it's like if you, cause cause score does like a big, especially in these older movies, does like a big job of just creating atmosphere. And I think that's why, even though, I guess technically the like first half of this is kind of slow. It's why it didn't really feel like it dragged that much. As I was like, oh, okay, we got good atmosphere here. Like, I'm in, and I'm 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 willing to see like, you know, what happens once we've set up all these pins that we're gonna knock down. Yeah. Oh, and they definitely knock them down at the end. I like that final shootout. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the score in that moment too. I think that's that's when it's at its best when he's just going down. He's he's blowing up all of his businesses and he's like he's just killing those guys. Oh, so good. I, uh, it scared the hell out of me when he like bashed the guy with the refrigerator. I like was like so locked <laughs> in and so this was like whoa. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that at all. I was like, oh shit, <laughs> that scared me. And I like when he's like that woman is just like sitting in the other room and he just like looks at it and then looks away. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I do love before that too where I was just like. It, the, so the whole like the everything after the so there's like that fake ending you know where they're like on the beach and it seems like it's going to be a happy ending and it's like he and his wife and Jim Belushi and his girlfriend and then everything like after that I was just completely locked in for because I was just like we got a half hour left of this thing it's all about to go wrong I know Jim Belushi's going to die and like I just I just have no idea what's gonna happen to James Conn. Like here we go. And it just really cashed in in that whole half hour. It was so good. I don't get how Jim Belushi was in this. I guess all all I know Jim Belushi from is according to Jim, which really shows my like yeah. lack of age. Uh, ironically, that was uh, it, it, I said that word for word uh, while watching the movie. Wow, I only know him from according to Jim. Do you think he likes that? Do you think he? I mean, he, I bet he still cashes checks from according to Jim. Yeah, I'm sure he's okay with it. He's good coasting on it. I mean, I don't know <laughs> what he even does anymore. He was in uh, he was in the new season of Twin Peaks, but that's it. So like, that's the only other thing. Wasn't I've that seen. a few years ago? Yeah, that was that was like 2017 at this point. Hmm. His last film uh, appearance I... was Wonder Wheel. Wow. Oh, Woody Allen. There you go. I, you, you know what? You can't script things like this. I jokingly mentioned Wonder Wheel last week on the pod, and, and now here we go. It's come full circle. Good Lord. Good for him, you know, making, making money. He, you know, he, he still appears in a lot of TV shows. Well, no, he doesn't. But you know what, Jim? I always liked, uh, I always liked according to Jim when, we, when I would watch it. You know what? You don't have to work that much when you're cashing those according to Jim checks. Um, I believe this was Jim Belushi's first like feature film appearance. Really? If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, too. Yeah, That's kind of fun. I'm gonna check IMDb to see if it was uh, if it was lying to me when I read that trivia fact, but uh, I believe it was at least. Yep, at least his first credited one. Which I think that's like kind of how they got him in this, right? Like he didn't have that sort of like comedic persona yet so you could like cast him as a tough guy it kind of works like he kind of he kind of pulls it off i kind of think he's better at like doing roles like this than he is at uh at being funny i think like i think once you started put to put on weight it kind of like worked more to him being like a dad but like at this point like he's still like a pretty young like you know not he's like a thicker guy and he's got a big head which i always think works well with like looking like tougher Hundred percent of the time, gotta have a big head to be the uh, be the strong man in a movie. It's important. <laughs> it's a uh, it's an important key. Actually, no, Jim Belushi in this movie kind of reminded me of like a like a just like a character that would show up in Fast and Too Fast, Too Furious to try to race to become a part of the drug dealing gang. But uh, that's a, <laughs> that's a good movie. Um, I like how he dressed. Too fast, too I do like Too Fast, Too Furious. That movie got wrecked when it came out but like i don't know i don't know what you want from it it was fun i feel like uh the the expectations have been changed on the uh 
on the Fast and Furious films now. And like retrospectively, that one's a lot more fun. Yeah, I think at the time people wanted one thing and then they, you know, then they went back and they were like, you know what? Like this is this is kind of like a fun snapshot of I think it also helped when like some of the characters in that movie like showed up again unexpectedly. At least like yeah. in terms of like the story and how it was moving. Tying it into the continuity actually probably helped it a lot, even though like those are probably not the movies you're like focusing on the continuity of that that like hard. Uh, should do you think I, that house that they had that final shootout in? I feel like they could have just like had Al Pacino's character and Heat live there, and it would have just been like a cool, uh, cool little like Easter egg. That would have been hilarious. I, I almost wish they would have had uh, they would have had that his house in in Heat in this. So then, like, uh, you know, the the guy could be sitting here, and he's he's the one who's like in like. In, in my wife, my wife's ex-husband's postmodern piece of shit, or whatever he calls it, like <laughs> the guy should have had the subline like that. Here I am, sitting in this bullshit postmodern safe house, waiting for my killer. I think we needed that line. I don't know why you weren't called in to write the script back in eight back in the eighties. You know, when I was uh, nothing but a faint glimmer in my father's eye, uh, I could have come in and done some rewrites. <laughs> it is like called called your dad up, and he was like, "Hey, like, I don't know if you can help us, but like, you're gonna have like a son in a, in in a, in a number of years." <laughs> Here, here's a time machine. Go to 2020. Get your future son, and uh, he's gonna do like. I know you don't know this movie yet, but he's going to do rewrites on it like Crimson Tide. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to do some touch-ups on a movie that'll, that'll leave the public eye by the early 2000s. Yeah, as soon as, as soon as home video took off, this movie was completely forgotten. <laughs> I think it got Criterion. <laughs> yeah, the, that, low-key, that's, that's why I thought we should do it this week, as a... I, I purchased stuff in the sale and I kept saw it popping, seeing it pop up. And I was like, Michael Mann meets Criterion? That sounds like something I would enjoy. Um, Flash of the Mohicans Criterion? Kind of sounds like it might be Criterion. It's probably not. I don't know. I'll, I'll check. I don't think it is, but it might that be. That is still not on its way this week. I'm Instead, on its way this week in Netflix DVD is Cruising. <laughs> oh, there you go. Some Some Billy Friedkin. That's going to be, I like, I was like on my work computer and I was like, oh, cruising's coming. I wonder what this is about. And I, I typed it in and I was like, oh no, I'm going to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> your, your boss is like, what the fuck are you looking up cruising The for? people in India are probably like looking at my history and they're just like, what? They're like, you're, you're kidding me, right, man? Like, should we, should we tell someone or just go out on this? Do we, do we have to alert anybody? Or... Um, you want to hear some trivia for this? Always. So we were talking about James Conn being a thief a little bit in this. Apparently all the tools, all the vaults were real. Like they actually were just breaking into vaults. Oh, yeah. That's kind of cool. That's that's peak Michael Mann right there. But I, I love that. That's like – I actually think that's a really like sweet choice like – you can kind of tell, like it. It looks really convincing. It looks really good in the movie. There, I like that. very long, drawn out scenes of him like cutting into it. Yeah, like like the opening where you're watching them like drilling in and cutting all the wires and stuff like that. Like hell yeah, I like that. Obviously, that scene where they got to take like the big blowtorch to it. Yeah, it it looks good. That was a good scene. I like that whole like high. Yeah, scene. me too. That was good. Um, so. We've talked about uh, uh, Al Pacino a little bit, and uh, he apparently turned down the role of Frank um, due to scheduling conflicts. Another person that was also Michael Mann's choice for the role was uh, Jeff Bridges, uh, but he was rejected because he seemed too young. They didn't think he could be uh, a hardened criminal. Would you have liked either of those guys in this movie? Um, I do agree. Jeff Bridges seems too young. He, I mean, that was right when he was like about to do like Tron, and he was like a pretty young man in Tron. 
Pacino in the early 80s. So Dog Day Afternoon was what, 78? 76? Yeah. Somewhere in there. Godfather Part 2 already happened. I don't know. It would have been... I, I don't know. I think I still would have wanted someone who was like James Caan's age in it. Yeah, I think they kind of like... I think they kind of like lucked their way into the right guy for this role. Because, like, I don't think Pacino, like, is... is I don't think Pacino or Bridges is, like, rugged enough for this, you know? Mm-hmm. Like... Like uh, the reason why, why James Caan is Sonny in Godfather is because he's got all those like rough edges. Oh yeah, like you said, he really like brings that to this too. He he aged so fast because he looks kind of like he looks like decently old in this movie, and then by the time Misery comes around, it's like an old man. Yeah, yeah, he really like it was like a switch flipped, and he just became like the dad and stuff. He's not. Is he? He like, he, he passed away, right? No, I think he's still alive. James Caan? I don't know. He is alive. Oh, wow. He's not even that old. He's only 80. He looks like an old 80. He does. It's kind of, You know, it's kind of funny, like, watching this and being like, that guy that just said that he's not the guy to fuck with, uh, that's the dad in, the, in uh, Elf. Wait a minute. Oh, he was 41 when this movie came out. He looks like he's like 50, to be completely honest. <laughs> he's kind of a... He, he looks like a, he's kind of that age where like kids just were smoking in high school all the time and like like he started drinking at 16 or oh, something, yeah. you know? He did some hard drugs probably at some point. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a throwback. <laughs> he really is. He really, really is. Um, I got another little piece of uh, of trivia here. So Dennis Farina, who's in this movie, uh, he's as a henchman. He was a Chicago policeman at the time of this filming, and then he, of course, would go on to be uh, in movies like Out of Sight and um, Get Shorty and um, and uh, Snatch. And then also there's John Santucci, uh, who. He was a recently paroled thief, and then so he was the technical advisor on this, and then they also had him play a cop, uh, which is funny. So, like, kind of just giving these guys a, a start to their career. Uh, Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> you want to read that last bit? <laughs> you want to read the last bit of the trivia? Um, that that William Peterson who appeared along with Frida in Man's Manhunter, appears briefly as a bouncer at a club. <laughs> William Peterson, CSI. Yeah, there you go. Michael Mann loves him some William Peterson. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I, like, can't believe... I just remember, like, I started watching CSI, like, super late, and he would, like, come and go from each episode, and I was like, this is kind of weird that he's, like, kind of in some of these and kind of not. <laughs> Your reaction to seeing him, his name, his name is... I, I love it. <laughs> you, you highlighted it in the doc. <laughs> I just didn't believe it. I was like, William Peterson, I know that name. And I was like, oh my God, he's in freaking um, CSI. Bill Grissom. Good for Will- Billy Peterson. <laughs> it's kind of crazy to think that. Uh, honestly, though, like if you're doing Michael Mann movies, you probably fit right into CSI. Absolutely. Um. The only other piece of trivia I have have here, uh, the film implies that Okla, played by Willie Nelson, was a father figure to Frank as a young boy. In reality, Willie was only seven years older than James Caan, uh, which is really funny to think about. So he was 48 when this movie came out? Good Lord, Willie. Treat yourself yeah. better, man. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of uh, the movie Selena, the the woman that plays Jennifer Lopez's mom in that movie, who's I think she's like the wife on uh, the George Lopez show. Uh, uh, she was only like six years older than than Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> kind of a similar thing here. I like that show. <laughs> uh, kids used to drive me nuts with that. Talking about George Lopez like it was new. <laughs> I just, I'm like it's on Nick. 
It's on Nick at Night. It's a rerun. Full House isn't new either. Sorry to burst your bubble, everybody. I, thought, I liked Full House, but I also hated that, like, uh, you would, like, watch it, and then there'd be, like, 35 minutes of commercials. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that... Any 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 TV show from like the the late '80s and then into the '90s, they're just like we're gonna fucking blast you with commercials. It's like thirty minute runtime, but seventeen minutes is actually the show. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Seinfeld, Seinfeld. I watched and it's twenty two minute episodes, and there's legit like four commercials in there. <laughs> like, what the fuck are we doing? You got a commercial, then the open, then a commercial, <laughs> then the first scene, then a commercial after 14 minutes, then, then eight minutes, then a commercial, then the, then, the, then the closing, then another commercial. It's brutal. It's like, I can't even get into it this. <laughs> I'm watching it on Hulu, too, so there's just like, you get like five commercials oh, total. Oh, no, the Hulu commercials. That means you're getting... The commercial against Biden where Trump says he can't read a teleprompter. I've seen that commercial a dozen <laughs> times. Oh, my God. That commercial drives me nuts. <laughs> what a shitty commercial from Trump, too, because he fucking can't read a teleprompter. <laughs> it's just the stupidest commercial. It's like, of course he has a teleprompter. Am I supposed to be mad about this? All right. You know what? Yep, you're right. I am mad about it. It's just like, all right, thanks, guys. The political ads have been bad lately on Hulu. I've been getting one where it's a it's Trump it's it's a Biden commercial where Trump is saying stuff and it's a it's the bubble on the ballot shaped like a mouth and it's like moving, and then somebody fills it in and he, he's this talking stops. I saw and that. It's like silence him, go vote. I'm like, I already voted. Damn it! I don't understand who hasn't voted yet. Yeah, or like who, ha- Especially- who hasn't like made up their mind. Yeah, like all these all these emails. That it, even like uh, like I even went on and made a plan to vote with like the registrar's office. It was dumb, yeah. And just because I was just like, just stop emailing me. <laughs> Do you think uh, James Kahn voted for Jimmy Carter in 1981? Uh, no, I didn't you know what? Character and thief. That's what I should have said. I, you know, I think he's a Goldwater guy. <laughs> I think. Uh... <laughs> Carter went Reagan. You know, he. Uh, oh, this was the. Oh, this was the Reagan election. My bad. Yeah, yeah. I think he went Reagan. Mm. Good man. He got his vote right. He got the. He picked. Yeah. He picked. Uh, he picked his winner. Yeah, he 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 voted the uh, guy whose policies would so many of the oats we're eating now. Reagan was about the same age as James Caan in this movie. Wild stuff. <laughs> Ronald Reagan was seventy, and he looked like he was about the same age as James Caan in this film. You know what? They came from the same generation. They're at sock hops, uh, <laughs> smoking cigarettes out by the dumpster, uh, <laughs> driving, drag racing, uh, driving uh, hot rods. Should we do a Ronald Reagan episode on this show? Uh, I I don't know if you want to do that with me. I want it'll get political quick. I just like uh, I don't even know like any of his films. I need to this his Wikipedia is a freaking book. Oh my god! We'll do like Newt Rockney All American, and uh, we'll talk about it for five minutes, and then I'll start like screaming about how trickle down economics doesn't work. I can't think yeah. of anything I want to hear less. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I don't I don't think we should do that. Episode. <laughs> you know that'd be good. What? Think that'd be a good episode. Well, you know, I, I think uh, I think I would be very entertained. I, I would exercise a lot of demons, and then I, I would probably we would probably post this to the internet, and I'd probably uh, either get fired from my current job or uh, or get held out of other jobs because the boss is Republican. Little listen to podcast ruins life of one. <laughs> yeah, R- ruins life of one big mouth. Uh, uh, middle middle twenties uh, man. Do you uh, do you have any more thief thoughts? Um, not anything big. Just uh, I would say if you like heat, just go out and 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 look for this movie because it's really good. I don't think enough people have seen it, and um, yeah, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun watching it. But a lot of people much older, like much older than us, have seen it. But I feel like our generation, like thief, is like if you're just trying to get through some Michael Mann. 
Yeah, exactly. Which we did. We did it. We banged out some more Michael Mann. You want to tell the folks what we have next week? We win the 2011 Oscars. So if you listen to our 2010 Oscars, you'll know that we both uh, make a list of five. And we'll go from there. Yep. We're going to be keeping the same format as last week. I've been slowly making my way through the movies here. Um, It's going to be an interesting one. A real haves and have-nots this year. Um, I agree with that, which is good. Are we gonna? Are you excited to possibly get to talk about your darling Toy Story three? Oh yeah, we're definitely gonna be talking about Toy Story yeah, three. Not if I go back and give it one star. <laughs> you know, I, I we went with your list last time. I, I'm uh, I'm fighting for Toy Story. My 3 list. If it doesn't make it. Yeah, we went with your list. Do you remember? List, and you were like, "I'll do yours." <laughs> I was I was I was I was putting. You know, I was, I was making moves. I'm, I'm playing 3D chess here. I'm going to go give Toy Story 3 one star with the review. My toys don't talk. This is not a real story. You know what? I bet you can get on that, like, weird letterboxed uh, Twitter page. I probably could. <laughs> <laughs> I love that page. It gives me, me life. Well, we'll, uh, we'll talk about Toy Story 3 and more <laughs> next week. And Precious. Um and pressure. You know what? Five minutes here. If you just if you just still have any thoughts on precious, um, you know I'm, I'm thinking about reading the book. <laughs> see where that gets me. Maybe maybe it's better than the movie. I hope so. I I went back and listened, and like, it, precious is really like just a big cloud that hung over that. <laughs> The whole 2010 Oscars. We really just ripped it in the white guy shitting on Precious is not a great look. <laughs> you know what? I stand by it. I stand by it. I like it. <laughs> Thanks for listening.